Hello. Yeah, I'm okay. And you? How, how was to set this thing up? Was it easy? Um, it was kind of hectic because yeah. I thought it was going to go automatically and I had to like do it right now, but it yeah. went well. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah th thank you for the effort. Yeah. Thank you for making the time. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Looking forward. Right. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Not bad for a Monday morning. Congratulations for your 40 years. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's this year, right? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. I'm not exactly sure which date, but yeah, this year. Did you do or are you going to do a celebration? I can't remember because I remember you canceled one. Yeah, I, I was planning one, but I canceled it because uh, there was a lot of stuff. You know, like the, um, the people we worked with in the past, you know, the, the ones we did the jailbreak with, um, they weren't actually there. Uh, there was some problems with the venue. And then again, I thought, ah, what the heck? You know, like we had a small party at the shop and maybe we're going to do some other small parties this year. Just invite a few friends and that's it. Yeah, a few but good ones. Yeah, and I had a 40-year... A, a anniversary whiskey brought out like uh which was a hundred bottles and i thought it was gonna last me like a couple of months but they were gone in a couple of weeks so i would not believe that i would not believe that for a second that it would no they were gone like instantly <laughs> yeah nice and uh for the people that don't know what that is do you want to tell quickly what the jailbreak was um well, actually, the jailbreak was a sort of tattoo convention combined with music, exhibition, um, all the things I love. So good bands, good food and uh, tattooers. And it was set in an old jail. Uh, the jailhouse is actually from 1700s. Um, and it's still being used as sort of a cultural building. It's got a restaurant in it now. It's got like some shops in it. It actually has a stage in it um, where people play. And um, then again, we were, yeah, we just met those other people and said, hey, let's do a sort of convention, not like the ones we used to have in Holland, but combine all the stuff we like. And uh, the first edition had only 25 tattooers, just Dutch tattooers, uh, or based in Holland because of the regulations. And we wanted to uh, see how things went organization-wise. And um, then the second edition had 50 tattooers. And so a mix of people from uh, Europe. We had a couple of Americans, we had a couple of Japanese. And um, then we had international bands as well. So and that was two years after the first edition. And it went really well. I mean, like, it was a huge success. It was huge fun. And uh, see, actually, tattooers in a cell, bands in a cell, or in an old cell block. Yeah, it was a good vibe. And the exhibition were good. Great artists, great painters. Right. It reminds me of uh, something that a friend of mine used to organize in Oslo, like maybe eight years ago or something, nine. Uh, you call it, like, I think something like Oslo Jamboree. And they would have, because they're into like, uh, you know, 50s cars and pinups. So they would have the whole shebang of, yeah, you know, yeah. the pinup show, the car show, you know, the bands, the rockabilly stuff. So it was like, a, you know, this kind of stuff. You know, I, th yeah. I think in the US, they do more of this stuff, right? 
Yeah, we had those things as well. Cars, bikes, and we had some sculptors, artists, you know, like uh, uh, vendors who would sell like taxidermy, you know, all the stuff we we people like to decorate our houses and shops with. So yeah. that was a good one. Nice. And uh, so you've been to them for 40 years, right? Uh, yep. Where did this start? Like, can you, can you remember the first tattoo you ever seen? Like the oh, first time yeah. that you started, you know, being in, like, oh, wow, that's cool. Well, there weren't like that many tattooed people where I came, just local guys who were a bit older at this club we used to hang out. They were like a couple of years older. They got tattooed and, you know, they all had um, like the real good looking tattoos with a couple of colors and, um you saw some other stuff from Amsterdam, Tattoo Peter, every once in a while on older guys, old sailor, fishermen. And that kind of sparked my interest, but not to an extent that I thought I wanted to start tattooing or get tattooed. Um, then I met a, a guy from Amsterdam. Uh, he, he came over with his wife to live in the north of Holland. They would hang out. He had those like real good looking heavy tattoos from Tattoo Peter at that time. And um, so he went for another appointment to a tattooer in, which was like very well known in the North of Holland in the city of Groningen. And um, I was like, oh yeah, maybe I need one. So I, I went over just to curious, just to look at how things went. And we came to the shop, which was in the red light district. There was like ACDC playing on the stereo, guys drinking beer and like joking and talking bullshit. And we go like, whoa, what a whole different world. It was packed with flags, all hand drawn from uh, Australia. So like the old stuff from uh, Dutchy Canales and Gary Davis and all that flash. And then I decided to get one done as well and um at that point i was like drawing i've been drawing all my life ever since i can remember you know how like, old were you how old were you in this time um i think i was like 14 15 i think something like that yeah. and i had in the meanwhile i had some stuff done by hand by guys you know what poke by hand a letter on my hand some some little you know doodles somewhere just to experiment and then that that kind of got the fire started people kept asking me for drawing stuff for their tattoos and at one point i got over to that shop a lot more got more tattoos and got really into it and at one point i thought hey maybe this might be a nice hobby you know not as a living, I hadn't thought about that. But um, I bought some equipment from an English tattooer who was based in my hometown. And he had to quit because of, uh, I think, like medical reasons or whatever. And uh, I bought his stuff. Um, I didn't know shit. He didn't know shit probably either. So it was like old heavy machines. And uh, I started working out at my um, my bedroom at first, and tattooed some. Yeah, every, whenever you put a sign up, tattoo, or you tell people that you're tattooing, I mean, they're in line. You know, they want, and especially when you meet them at, we will go into a lot of gigs, 
meeting people at the bar and they're always into tattooing. Uh, that that kind of got me started. Okay. And where did you go from there? Because I guess eventually, you, you know, you moved to something else. Yeah, well, the guy um, in Groningen, which uh, was Tattoo Karel, he was actually, he learned how to tattoo in Australia in the 60s. And uh, he was like a real old school, you know, like larger than life stories. I always loved the stories uh, behind it. And he would tell stories about crazy people. He was in the in the band. They did the same venues at ACDC in the early years. He would uh, hang out with Tony Cohen, Bev Robertson, Danny Robertson, uh, Dutchy Canalison, you know, all those old names. Uh, Shaky Bill, I love that name. Like, you know, those guys from Australia. And they were heavily into partying, biker stuff. So yeah, that kind of got me, got me sparked. And at one point, um, he had a guy working for him, but they uh, they kind of fell out. And then one day he called me, said, uh, "I know you've been tattooing at at your bedroom or from your house. Would you like to come and work for me? Because I need one." So um, I came there and um, I brought my I. At that time, I uh, had bought some like Spalding and Rogers, you know, like Supreme Puma machines. And I was really fond of those. They looked cool. They were chrome and, and flashy. And uh, he had those big ass furnace machines, you know, with a huge spark on it. And uh, we weren't wearing any gloves and all that kind of crap was like still a few years away. And um, so he asked me to come and work for him. And the first thing uh, I had to do was tattoo a drunk pimp. The okay. guy would the guy would come in and choose that was the a first. Yeah, yeah, that was like the guy would okay. come in, uh, pick out the design, went to one of the bars in the red, red light district, came back drunk, and got yeah. tattooed. And they were drinking heavily at the shop as well, you know, like. Uh, when we would go there on a Saturday morning, we would go to the supermarket and get like some plastic bag full of beer and go there, you know, like, uh, and I will be drinking all day and tattooing all day. <laughs> and uh, so the, the thing is that um, at one point, this pimp, he already had done the outlines and the shading and I had to fill in the color as sort of a exam to, to, and um, I was used to only the spooling machines and he had those furnace machines with big ass strokes, needle hanging out like, I don't know, it looked like uh, two centimeters. If I look back at it, you know, compared to uh, the spooling machines. And then uh, I kind of succeeded. And he said, uh, oh, you're willing to come and work on Monday. So um, I took all my stuff, you know, my bottle of colors and uh, I went there on uh, a Monday and uh, the first thing he said, uh, you got to label those bottles. And he got, oh, you can tell which colors they are. I mean, like they're transparent. And he said, uh, yeah, but I'm colorblind. And I go, what? Oh, and go like, what? shit. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's why your eagles look like parrots. And he said, yeah, but they look damn good. Yeah. Well, so that, that kind of got it started. And I worked for... Um, there on Mondays and then on Tuesdays and from that on, yeah, it, it kind of got me and um, 
it went on, you know, like, and before, you know, um, this guy said, um, after a couple of years, uh, Hey, I'm going to leave. You can have the shop if you want. And, um, I'm leaving for the Caribbean and he left for the hmm. Caribbean and yeah, there well, I was. No, no. Well, it kind of turned sour, you know, like he got caught trafficking drugs and, uh, uh, <laughs> he, right. he spent was a couple of years in prison. <laughs> so that kind of, yeah. But he was a pirate, you know, like, uh, I remember like a couple of years ago when he died, it was the most like strangest funeral ever. He was upside down in his coffin. They were playing ACDC and all that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned stories, right? And this is the reason why I started this podcast in the first place. Right? That's why it's called Tattoo Tales. Because one thing that I spent 10 years on the road of office living with a suitcase. So just moving like, a, you know, with no home. And that's what I liked the most, apart other things, when I would go to places and you would hear the stories in the back rooms, you know, over drinks and stuff of people that, you know, you still have some people today a little bit like this, but uh, it's kind of like disappearing a little bit because it, it goes it goes with character and that kind of lifestyle, right? And let me show you. I, I grew up in the, have you ever heard of Maurizio Fiorini? Yep. Okay. I grew up in his neighborhood. So I started hanging out at his shop, you know, like really you know, knocking at the door until they let me in, right? So I started hanging out there and just, I would do anything just to be in there and listen to his stories, right? I mean, yeah. look at this guy. For What is it? Wait, let me find the camera. Ah, this yeah, guy. yeah. Brilliant picture. Right? You, can, you can just Google like Maurizio Ferini if you listen to this. And, you know, I would just listen to his stories and that was the best. And half of them weren't even true, I believe. But, you know, I told them so many times, you know, that it became, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And so I'm sure that this is something that, because you're a storyteller yourself, right? So I'm sure that, you know, you, you love this part, which is the most colorful. Can you remember some people that you met and you were like, oh, like you mentioned before, like, oh, that guy, man. Like maybe those stories weren't even true, but that, you know, it would be like watching a movie. You go there, you'd be entertained, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that's the thing. It's, if you talk to people nowadays, like um, young people, and if you ask them, like, hey, who did your tattoo? They, they probably don't even know. And I think like, going to a tattoo shop, yeah, you have to be entertained. Sometimes I feel like it, it's the, the Rinto show, you know, like uh, you start the, my coworker bus, he kind of initiates the story and then you'll tell the story. And it kind of keeps on changing after the years. But that doesn't right. matter. Like uh, people still remember that. And a writer once told me, like, a good story is a good story. And no matter if it's true or not, like, um, and over the years, so many characters are trying to uh, write some of the stories down. But that kind of got on the back shelf. And um, I, I would love to pick it up again, you know, like write those stories down. So many things happened at the shop, but especially the guy um, I started out with. If you hear those stories, his mom was um, living close to the shop and she was like older and she used to have a bar. And like having a bar in the 60s as a woman, you kind of had to be tough. And um, but they came from Australia and on the on the way back, he kind of um, was working in South Africa for a while. And the story is that um, when he got back to Holland, I think he worked in South Africa as a carpenter. And when he got back to Holland, he was immediately like caught by the police and there was eternal affairs. And he was like interviewed and 
Apparently, the guy he was working with in South Africa was Ronald Biggs, train robber from England. And he was on his way to South America. And he apparently worked with him in, in South Africa. I mean, like newspapers were full of it, you know, like a uh, guy from the north of Holland, like uh, helped to escape Ronald Biggs and those stories. I mean, you can't even think about that. Like Ronald Biggs, nobody knows who Ronald Biggs is anymore. But those stories are amazing, you know, like uh, trying to be a sort of criminal and uh, they had to have a gun because of the deal and the gun went off in the toilet and they shot the toilet bowl and, you know, all those kind of crazy <laughs> things, you know, what happened. And I think like Australia must have been like a really rough place in the 60s to uh, to get tattooed. When looking at the tattooers when they came to uh, Dunstable in the 80s, you know, like Greg Adrian and Tony Cohen, you could immediately spot the Aussies coming in, you know, like they look you know, really tough. They look the part. You know, I interviewed Tony Cohen and he's one yeah. of these guys. I want to talk an hour and a half, but the episode is 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> because then it's like, ah, maybe we shouldn't say this. Or maybe I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the good part that you hear, you know, behind the, the thing. But yeah, 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 exactly what you're saying, right? So those, yeah, I mean, like so many things happened, especially at, when the shop was close to the red light district. That would be idiots coming in and fun people. And because um, I was talking the other day with a friend of mine, right? He's a, he's a younger guy that is getting now into tattooing. And, you know, I just like the generational change, right? So there will be yeah, always yeah. New, new blood coming in. And he was a little discouraged because, or, or, or you know, he was asking, because he said, look, this, this thing is exploding, is oversaturated, and it is, you know, it's getting more saturated by yeah. the day. So yeah. he was asking, uh, how can I compete? Is there a space for me? How can I compete with people that have these skills, a bit, this technique and stuff like that? And what I was, at least my answer, which is an opinion, and there are many, right? My opinion was, look, tattooing, I, I think, is not just the perfect technique the, the 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 shiny tattoo and the imaginary vision of your subjects and stuff is more than that you know people get tattooed by you not because you're the best maybe because you gave them a great time you yeah. know because you yeah. can be yeah. the technically i've heard this from some customer sometimes you can be like incredibly technical and then you're an asshole you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah. i would not want to be in touch by a person like that so my tattoos are not perfect but some of them not the not the best technically executed but have great memories so yeah, you yeah. look at them yeah. and you put a smile on you, right? So I think that's that's the, the weapon also beyond technique, right? Yeah. If you still look back at shops who, who still there are even longer tattooing than I am, and you look at the work and you go like, how can a guy survive for 45 years? But they still do. And they still attract customers. So there must be something they're doing right. And... Um, a lot of them is, is the, the thing you have to sort of bind customers to you. You have to make them comfortable at the shop. Sometimes you have to make them a bit uncomfortable to get them out of their comfort zone, you know, like, and um, yeah, I think if you give them a good time, you treat them fair. That is more uh, valuable than a good tattoo by a real high end tattooer who's an asshole, you know, like, um, yeah. Because, like, you know, when I talk to people like yourself, people that have been tattooing for a long time, you know, uh, Tony Cohen, you know, Mehai Bakati from New York, you know, Lau, you know, all people that have been tattooing for a long time, Hank, 
you guys all say the same because such a long experience eventually brings you all to the same place, which is about the people in the end, yeah. right? Because you're not drawing on a wall. So that's, no, that's no, the thing no, that no, I think no. is very important to remember. The fact that, yeah, oh, cool, you can make a fun design and you are having fun, but you're not the only element in this equation, right? No, 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 no. Yeah, that, uh, for example, we had a Mike Malone walk-in like a week ago and the crowd, which turned out was really cool. And uh, everybody went for it. You know, like we could tell people, no, we're only doing Mike Malone designs. Those are the books you can choose from. And if you like massage people into that, there you can let them do a lot of things or you can get you can get them enthusiastic for the stuff you you have to um yeah they have to um to grow up a bit you know you have to show them the stuff you like and nowadays there's so many tastes you don't have to do any everything at uh, at the shop so if you want to massage people into the stuff you really like they get enthusiastic and then it's working really well, you know, like you got people who are enthusiastic about what you do and um, the whole atmosphere at the shop, that's important as well. You know, like uh, people have to uh, sort of get the feeling that they're a part of it. You know, they, they wear, I, I always get kind of embarrassed or find it funny when people come to the shop and they, you know, they put on all the merchandise they bought from the shop. You know, like going to a gig and you wear you you're going to see Guns N' Roses and you wear your best Guns N' Roses shirt. You know, like yeah. that's kind of awkward. But on the other hand, it's like really amazing that people, if you get a new shirt, they come up and buy it and do the effort. They're proud to wear that shirt. And if you would be an asshole, people wouldn't be wearing that shirt. So yeah. if they have to belong or get the feeling that they belong or that uh, it matters that they spend the hard-earned money at your shop. And there's so many shops nowadays, they can spend it any, everywhere if you want to. But, so you have to give them that extra feeling that they, they belong or belong, are a part of that community, which hangs yeah, around. Yeah, feel valued. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And in those days, right, uh, how was it? Because I guess, it, when, again, when I talk with people like, you know, like yourself, uh, eventually, after a while, you start tattooing. In those days, there were less people. So learning was a bit more, was more difficult. So did you establish any connection with other tattooers, either in the area or even outside of the country? Because maybe you went traveling somewhere. Yeah, well, at the... Um... At that point, there were three tattooers in, in Groningen, which was like a big student town and had the red light district. There was one who would have a tattoo bar, you know, like which was actually at the corner of the red light district. So you have to, you had to, if you wanted to enter the shop, you have to go through that bar. And there was one who owned a sex shop and he was tattooing at the sex shop as well. And they, didn't really connect. I mean, they were looking at each other and they're, um, they were like rivals, you know, like eventually they kind of learned from each other, but they had the falling out. And there were like three tattoo shops on that, on that turf. And I think the, the next real tattoo shop was like in the north of Holland. And then you would go to see Amsterdam 
um, a lot of people started out at that same age, you know, like Ronald Bonker from Sandam, uh, and a couple of other guys who are from the same age as I am who started out at that point. And um, at one particular point, Hank started the Dutch Tattoo Bond of Association, and I kind of hooked up with those guys. And uh, there was another um, guy from this part of Holland, which we called Friesland, you know, like Frisian, we have our own language and everything. So that gives a kind of connection. And he was tattooing in Leiden. I don't know if you remember him, Oes. He was do like Celtic and tribal stuff in the 90s, like real heavy tribal stuff. So we kind of hooked up and uh, we traveled a lot. We go to conventions uh, together. Um, in the early 90s, we would go up to see Philip Lou, get tattooed, uh, go to Switzerland, conventions, Austria, France, you know, those places. And I kind of hooked up with those guys. Or um, when Hank had some uh, cost or like guest artists at the shop, I would go there and check those out. I got tattooed by Eddie Deutsch, you know, when he started, just started nice. out and was working in Amsterdam. I got tattooed by uh, uh, Dave Shore a few times and got or went there and hang out with Dave and try to pick some or pick his brain about information. And of course, the stories that would be uh, just being at the shop. Be, yeah. uh, Smell that. Uh, that magic, yeah, yeah, the vibe, you know, like, yeah. which is kind of lost now, you know, those, uh, those vibes. And I was always eager to, to get those, even the stories, the guy I was working for. But as I said, he wasn't like really outgoing anymore at one point that kind of the conventions changed and he i would hear stories about terry wrigley you know those guys he met at the convention and at one point he stopped going to tattoo conventions and so i was like hey if i want to learn or get in contact with other people i had to go out there so I uh, I hooked up with that bond and then I found some ODS association and found some connection with Ronald Bunker, Oes, and that kind of yeah boosted as well like my technique. I learned a lot from those guys, you know, like machine wise. They were building machines and that kind of got me um, yeah better at one or at that point. You know, like um, if you have to say that to shop. And, and, you know, like at one point, if the guy you're working for isn't like really into it anymore or things, oh, yeah, uh, as they are going, they're, they're good enough for him. But you're young and eager and you want to meet people, you know, like. Yeah, uh, you want more. Yeah, you want more. And at first I thought that uh, all the designs on the wall, he would draw himself, you know, like painted himself. But there were actually like stuff he would redraw. And I saw the opportunity or the chances of uh, yes, start your own stuff, you know, like draw your own stuff. And now I know that 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 is like the tradition. Redraw all the stuff you got from it. That's how everybody did it, you know, Sailor Jerry and everybody did it. Redraw, yeah, yeah, redraw. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, you know, there was any uh, female tattooers in those days in Holland? Um, there weren't that many. I think uh, who started out. I think 
Louisa Heng's wife, of course, started out yeah. at some point, but and Morbella, I think she was still working in Holland, but that was a bit later on, I think. It was late 80s, I think. I'm not sure, but yeah. mainly they were mainly men. All right. And then did you did you travel also at some point in these days? Like someone like in other countries and yeah, we. Um, I went to America a few times. I've worked in America. I worked with. Uh, that was a bit later on. I worked with uh, Ken Cameron for a while in his Citrus Heights shop, and um, I got tattooed by Ed Hardy. I got tattooed by Philip Lou. You know, like those names. I would look up those big names, and I thought like everybody told me that they were like. You couldn't like get an appointment with Philip because he was like booked. Ed Hardy was like on this huge mountain. He was like God. And you couldn't yeah. get an appointment with God. And I go like, I know it's always worth a try. So I got tattooed by Ed Hardy in 91, I think. Yeah, Philip Lou, 92. So that kind of, I was had the opportunity to travel and, and go places, you know, to see conventions or combine it holiday and, and conventions, but I kind of traveled. And the last couple of years, of course, not that much. The last trip we made was like uh, uh, to Japan with um, uh, Bill Canales and Darko, like real good friends. So it kind of slowed down a bit and, you know, family life and all yeah, the boy. hustle around it. But And when you went to the U.S., right, can you remember what the first thing that stroke you was meaning it was different right so can you remember anything you were like oh wow uh we never done it like this where i'm from or you know something different there that made you go like oh well the first thing i thought like the first time i went there was like uh i thought it was a huge like uh, marching band you know like uh inviting you like welcome to america yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't like that so you had to go through customs, which was hellish as well. You got those blockhead guys at customs shouting at you. Yeah. But um, the first time I went there, I was with a good friend backpacking for a month. So we would travel by Greyhound bus. And uh, so we had a hotel in Inglewood and we were kind of oblivious about the whole thing, situation going on there. So we were in LA and this big, guy comes up hey what you guys guy white guys are doing here you know like what the fuck we thought you could have a hotel everywhere you know like but yeah. it was a bit different so we we're kind of oblivious to all that gang stuff and i mean we saw a few things which you go like oh, okay maybe this wasn't the best situation or the best place to book a hotel you know you kind of grown up really fast if you're there and um the the thing about it is that America, everything was like kind of the shops all mainly look good. You know what I mean? And they had everything, the looks, you know, the flags, the machines and the old stuff and the bikes. But uh, I soon discovered that there were a lot of tattooers who weren't that good. And, you, you know, like they still managed, but there was a huge difference between, you know, the, the ones you were really look up to. And at one point, sometimes you have to look down as well, you know, like to see what's going on. And yeah, they had a purpose. There were still people getting tattooed there. And um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know how uh, it's hard to explain that um, for every like money or people who have to, there's a shop. So not everybody can get tattooed by Ed Hardy or uh, big as uh, shops. But for every layer, there was a tattoo shop. And people were like happy with what they got and what they wore it with pride, you know, like, so that kind of opened my eyes that the street shops, like really street shops, where the drunks would hang out and we wouldn't have those things in, in Holland, you know, like, so yeah. that was kind of a wake up call. And uh, a lot of shops actually could exist close together, you know, like, because we had three tattoo shops in town, which we thought were a lot. But in America, there was even more. And, you know, they still kind of existed next to each other or in a convention. I've never seen a tattoo convention. So uh, all those tattooers in a big ass room, that was like, oh, my God, what's what's going on? You know, like, what's this? So that kind of got the taste of that, you know, like going to conventions, meeting more people. And I still like meeting people who are into not even if they have to be into uh, tattooing as long as I have or you have but if they have the fire they have the fire I mean it doesn't of course yeah so America was a, a, a strange country in in a way for a, a guy up north Holland you know like uh, yeah but and as a, a friend of ours said they make you feel welcome you know you know it part of it it's fake but then again, it feels good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so after all this, you know, people that you that you cross path with, uh, the thing that you've learned, the thing that you heard, and also, you know, uh, tried out on your own skin with many years of dealing with people and stuff like that, right? What would you say today is important to be a good tattooer? Like what a good tattooer should have or should be like? Clearly, you know, there are many nuances and opinions, right? Just, just for your own experience. Oh, man. Yeah. I could tell, like, know your stuff, you know, like where it comes from uh, and dig into it. Like, if you see nowadays a lot of tattooers or people who start out tattooing or if you call it tattooing, you know, like some of them are just scratching the surface and I can't really tell if, if it's going to last. Like, you know your stuff, where it comes from. I mean, you don't have to invent the or like the wheel uh but see what people did before you you know like technique or how tattoos were executed and why they are in the skin that long you know like how they they look after a couple of years learn from that instead of being that like um uh, cocky and think that everything you draw is um in the, is good for in the skin and you're the next new thing or people or the world is waiting for you you know where it comes from you know take a look at that and nowadays i see stuff and i go like and it, i find it hard to to close my eyes for that you know because i love tattooing that much and i spend so much time at it i see a lot of good tattoos which really blows my mind you know like going to frankfurt convention and you see those guys and going damn amazing work but on the other hand i see so much new stuff coming into the scene which i think is horrible which is not a tattoo it's it's an accessory it's got no life it's got no life in the skin it wouldn't hold up you know that kind of 
On the other hand, I have to like be oblivious for it, but I can't really close off, you know, like I still go like, damn, haven't you learned anything? You know, like, so know your stuff, you know, know your te technique and what makes a good tattoo. Study it, you know, study where it comes from and how people got to that point. They make their mistakes and you're allowed to make your mistakes as well. But don't be so fucking ignorant about the past. You know, what, what people made before you. Single needle was tried a hundred years ago, you know, like, or uh, yeah, I still like, uh, it's so super funny if you see those real, really realistic full color things at a stamp size, you know, like uh, on the internet. And I go like, hey, we seen that in the 80s when uh, this guy from New York did all that funny stuff, you know, the Mona Lisa on, on a stamp size or like a coin size. You don't see him anymore. You don't see those tattoos anymore. So kind of learn your stuff, you know, like where yeah. it comes from. But yeah, that comes, I think that is also because tattooing is so popular and people get into it because it's easy accessible and it pays the bills and they don't have to study it because you uh, the accessibility to get your machines and colors is so easy nowadays so you don't have to make the extra effort you know to get that stuff or get to a point that um, 40 years ago you probably had to spend a lot of money to get machines you know like i was listening to this podcast and somebody said um, I paid 5,000 guilders to uh, just to get an address, you know, like to get a Spalding address or something. And now you go, it's um, 50 euros and you got it in your mailbox tomorrow. So that's, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, with that stuff also, I think uh, if you don't have, let's say, a good apprenticeship or some good guidance, even if it's not the formal the traditional apprenticeship, you know, some good guidance from someone that knows more, right? If you don't have that, I think that a lot can be also because of the lack of experience, meaning sometimes yep. I've seen, and I've been there, you know, like sometimes I've seen people doing things because they don't know how tattoo really age. They haven't, they haven't seen either on themselves or on other people how tattoo looks after 10, 15, 20, 25 years, right? And yep. when you see that on yourself or on others, then you adjust the stuff that you do because you're more aware. But sometimes people don't have any exposure to that. That's why I would recommend to even on other people get that exposure because otherwise it's unrealistic. That's why they do sometimes lines with like, I don't know, maybe 25 round shader you know, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like a sharp and then you're like, Ew. yeah, you know, yeah. but I guess it's, it's, it's the lack of experience, which again, I've been there. So it's not that I haven't done those mistakes myself. You know? No, no, no. And everybody's the last, Everybody makes mistakes, of course, but um, it's the lack of, uh, that's, that's the difference, I think, between a lot of people who enter tattooing. Uh, they don't care about that. They, they, like, they think that um, they got different heroes than we do. You know, they look at uh, the scratchy stuff or this single needle outline kind of, you know, like really tiny tattoos because that's what the customers bring in. That's what they want. That's what they draw. And they think old school is um, 
they can't draw. That's what I hear a lot, you know, like about old school. Oh, that's simplistic. You, you guys don't know how to draw a real pinup or you guys don't know how to. And if you try to tell them or break down a design and explain why some things are done, they're not open to it. There's only a few from that field who make the, who cross over and, and are interested in how, uh, the technique works you know like um for example there was a convention in holland you got those different rows you have a row with uh guys doing japanese and old school and you had a row with realistic and there was no interaction or hardly any interaction they were mm. stuck in their island and i think they can all learn from each other you know? like uh, and nowadays there's a lot of people or because it's easier to get into tattooing, you have a lot of people who get in tattooing who don't give a shit. Because, you know, as long as they can scribble all those little drawings on people, they're happy. You know, like, and when they make their money, they're happy. And um, as soon as it wears uh, out or their interest, they will do something else. Um, but uh, the, the thing is, yeah, we're still working on people. You have a sort of obligation to people to to do a, a good job. That's you're hired to do a good job. But a lot of my opinion is a lot of those younger customers, they don't give a shit either. They're proud of the most horrible tattoos they got. You know, like uh, if you come to the shop and they show you stuff and they go like, oh, yeah, I haven't had uh, uh, the time yet to get them all reworked. What do you mean? They're like two months, three months, two years old, and they need to be reworked. That seems to be common sense nowadays. The tiny tattoos, getting them reworked every two months or something, it it blows my mind, you know, like, and if somebody tells them, oh, this one hasn't been touched up for 10 years ago, like 10 years, for them, that's a fucking lifetime, you know, like 10 years. They can't yeah. even imagine. The, and if you ask them, like, how long they had that tattoo they go oh i had it for a year and a half to them it seems a lifetime a year and a half you know it's it's just properly healed it's just in the skin you know after yeah. a year and a, so yeah i think i think it's about you know the distribution of information and again it goes yeah, down yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. to how it you know, when you get your first tattoo, you don't know much about it, which today is harder not to know because you have access to information. Before, yeah. you know, it was yeah. only either, you know, people in shops or a magazine and you really buy every magazine that you learn. Otherwise, you know, you, you wouldn't have other way to learn today. Ignorance a little bit is a bit more of a crime because like, look, information is there, you know. So at the same time, like, you know, if you're happy with it, you're caring. So it's kind of like finding the yeah. sweet spot, right? Yeah. And maybe it has to do with uh, how society works nowadays. If you want a new pair of shoes and this website doesn't have it, you can always find one who has it and sends it out to you tonight, you know, and you got it in your mailbox tomorrow. So that, that kind of changes into tattooing as well. And not to say for everybody, but for a lot of people, they want to have it fast or easy accessible. They don't want to, like really study it, you know, like um, uh, do their homework. If you if people come in they for a sleeve and they say like, oh, I want a sleeve and they go like, okay, we could talk about what what would you like? And they go like, um, uh, uh, 
I would like to have the name of my kid. They were like, yeah, I could make that on a matchbox size tattoo if you want to. But for a sleeve, there has to be a lot. I like the color blue. And they go like, uh, yeah, but I can't make your whole arm blue. Think about it. You know, like do your homework, prepare, get some ideas. Get at least six ideas of what you want in it. If, if it's a traditional sleeve, you know, like, uh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. So and I find it kind of funny that people for something really permanent. I always tell them like, it's, it's funny that for a tattoo, which is like on your skin forever, or they don't do any homework and they're not like really want to travel. But if they have to buy a secondhand fridge for 25 euros, they would travel to the other side of Holland to get one, you know, like it's a strange, strange phenomenon. So uh, you have to educate people a bit, you know, like if to show them, that's why we have books and stuff and show them like, oh, you could do this and that and go home, think about it, do your homework and then come back. As I said, you have to educate people a bit to get, and once you got them educated or they, they really see it, then you've got customers or friends for life or for longer. They remember that more than slapping that tattoo on and send them out again. Yeah, you know, I, I like I like personally that part of the process also when I see because, you know, it happened that you started tattooing one person that walked in and wanted like a little thing and then it's another thing and then eventually two years later it's a sleeve and then I have people I've been tattooing for ten or fifteen years and they keep coming right and you see the evolution in their yep. understanding because they learn more. I see this also with my girlfriend, which you know she's really into the Pinterest kind of thing, and now she asked me to get this big chrysanthemum on her, on her arm, so. Yeah, you can see that by being exposed to it, now she learned to see the yeah. beauty of the other stuff. But it's just because you don't know. You know, I like, I no. don't remember who said this. Someone, I think it was a psychologist or something, and talked about the stages of learning. And they say the first stage is you don't know that you don't know. So you think you know. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. then once you know a little, now you know that you don't know. You know, yeah. and it's like, you know, and so on. So I, I enjoy, you know, if you stay open-minded and I try to be like, okay, I've been there. You know, and I, I am in that place with other things, maybe, you know, I, I'm an idiot with other stuff, right? You know, so I'm like, okay, no problem. You just don't know enough about this. Let me tell you and then give you maybe a direction where you can look, good yeah, stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. right? I, I, I like to see how people, you know, yeah, 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 spar, yeah, 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 yeah. right? Like people who um, get only black and gray tattoos and then at one point they switch to color or just have you know like or maybe just a bit of red in this one and then and then they go oh shit i wish i did the color i've been telling you you know like or i i'm gonna leave this arm for my color tattoos you know? <laughs> yeah. funny. i think it's yeah. a nice yeah it's a nice journey of mutual learning you know yeah, yeah. i think yeah. So that's what i like and um you know if you if you would think about something that you know, without without getting too you know bummed about how things are now, but like we, you know, you would tell younger artists to watch out for, you know, something that can be not good for their career or their growth or something in, in today's tattooing, right? What what should they watch out for? Yeah, that's a hard one. Uh, stop doing all that shitty tattoos on fingers. <laughs> you know, like stuff which you you're sure. I wonder that all those young women are so happy with all their finger tattoos after a couple of years, you know, like 
face tattooing and, and neck tattoos. And that kind of got me worried in a way. I know that sounds old fashioned, but um, I see a lot of stuff on fingers. I saw, saw this post like not so long ago, which I, it looks like placement on the body and how it's placed is not important anymore. And I, I think it was it, Tim Hendricks. Maybe it was Tim Hendricks. It could be. I, I mm. thought about that for a while. And, you know, like people still coming in and they get their first tattoos on the side of fingers and they touch it up again and they go like, yeah, maybe you got to. It always kind of, you know, like will haunt you. And those people will come in after a couple of years and, um you have to stick i don't know i kind of find it hard with all those tattoos i wouldn't say that uh because that young tattooers shouldn't do that i mean like hey it's everybody's uh, ball game it's everybody's life but those are the tattoos i think a lot of people will regret in a couple of years because they look like shit and not everybody is a tattooer or a rock star and pull it yeah, off. Which is a funny story with these people because once I, I was working in Oslo and then I get to tattoo this guy. And then this guy, uh, you know, we're talking and stuff. He's walking. I'm like, so what are you doing? He's like, I'm here with the touring with the band. I'm like, okay, what band are you touring with? And he goes like, Ugh. I was like, oh, is that bad? And I was like, come on, man, you can tell me who you're touring with. And he was with Justin Bieber. He was Justin okay. Bieber photographer, yeah. right? So I'm like, ah, okay, I see what you mean, right? <laughs> so anyway, the day after, I say, uh, can you bring me to take the piss with my ex, right? Because she doesn't like him, like Justin Bieber. You know, nothing wrong with Justin Bieber, whatever. No, so no, can no. you bring me like a, a signed picture, you know? So to kind of like take the piss. And then he does. And he's like, man, you had an idea what happens? Like, what happened? Like I came back to the hotel and at three in the morning, Justin came back after the concert. That's how these people roll. Three in the morning, they see the tattoo and it's like, oh, that's nice. Who did it? This guy. Call him. I want to get tattooed now. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, fuck, man. I wish you would have my number because I would fly to the hotel. You know, I would tattoo the whole fucking staff, make a million at night, you know. Anyway, so after that. And then he would get a a decent tattoo. I mean, a lot of them. (laughs) And talking about decent tattoos. You know, like after they go to Copenhagen and he writes me, he's like, do you know any shop that tattoos at three in the morning? It's like, if I would, I would not recommend it to you, man, because I don't think you can get a good tattoo at three in the morning, yeah. man. like unless, you know, a special situation. So anyway, ended up getting like a, what a, like a very tiny koi fish, which looks like something else. Tiny, tiny, tiny. And this shop, I'm like, what the fuck, man? What, what, you have all that money. How do you guess these tattoos? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's because yeah. they don't have patience. They walk in the first shop, they, they know. They find I'm like, who recommended you that shop? Little Wayne. I was like, that's not really a role model for well done to see, <laughs> no. you know. Sorry, Little Wayne. But you know, so this yeah. is how, how these people roll, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it's amazing how back, it works. Yeah. It's funny, dude. But going back to the fingers, you know, like you like yourself, you know, the people that are listening, you have no idea how many people, boys and girls, I had to talk out. I'll talk uh, out of getting tattoos like that, not because yeah, of taste, yeah. because taste is your own. It's not my yeah, 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 of course, say. of course. But it's about you know, I had customers that lost jobs because I tattooed their neck, I yeah. tattooed their hands. So it's like, look, you have no tattoos or very few or something, and you want to get this really visible, and you're like 19, you don't know what you're gonna do tomorrow. And I had friends again that they lost jobs because maybe they didn't get him or her in that office with a hand tattoo. 
right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. like a guy, do you know Ian from uh, from Berlin? If you remember? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Ian, yeah. He told me one day when I was working at his shop, like I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. He told me one day, Steph, as tattooers, we have the responsibility sometimes to protect the customer from himself or herself. Yeah. And yeah. that thing got stuck in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. you don't know that you don't know, right? Yeah. I remember meeting all those heavily tattooed people in the 80s at the Dunstable Convention. I mean, in England, there was always a lot of facial tattooing going on. And I always wondered what happened to those guys you've seen in the 80s. And um, of course, it's it's uh, punk if you're like really into punk. But now, like, as I said, like a guy like Post Malone, he seems like a nice guy. He's not a gangster. So a lot of them are not gangsters, you know, like uh, they want to look like gangsters, but they're not. So <laughs> yeah. Why should, yeah, why should you get that look, you know, like... Um, you know who said this in pretty much the exact same words? Shane, Shane Inholm. Yeah. When I tattooed, Shane Inholm, when I, tattooed, when I um, interviewed him. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And he said exactly the same. He said, you know, now I don't understand why there is a lot of people that want to look like gangster, but they're yeah. not. You know, but again, it's the whole, you know, it's the whole culture. Like I think Hank said it as well, yeah. you know, like uh, in one of his interviews that, uh, he uh, tattooed or like tattooing a kid, you know, from uh, some rural area in Holland. And they want to look like an L.A. gangster. Drop him in L.A. In, for, a, for a few days. See how he survives. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. funny. And then, you know, with that face stuff, I think that, you know, by saying no. Uh, and now don't get me wrong. Mm, these days, I really enjoy saying no, but not because, oh, I'm beyond this. But because I really want you to get the best thing you can get. So when the idea, I think, again, it's not taste, it's technical, right? I think that technically yeah. wouldn't yeah. make a good tattoo. Then I say no. And then I, I tell you, maybe this would work better. Think about it. I remember yeah. once at the London convention, I had small flashes like this, like time, right? For first price, everybody can get a little thing. And then this guy comes in, this guy in, in his 50s, fully tattooed, like fully, full neck, you know, like, and he wants one of these small flashes uh, on his sideburns, like the sign of his face, right? And I said to him, like, dude, I see that, you know, you're an adult, what's your job? And he said, I'm a truck driver, so I don't care. You know, nobody has to, you know, I don't have to obey to anybody. And I said, that's cool. But even if you're really fully covered, so you're used to, to wearing a lot and get certain reaction, I was telling him, once you get something on your face, that changed the whole way that people perceive you. Because even yeah. if you have your neck, it's not your face. The moment you get in your face, people still... They start seeing you different. So I said, you know what? If you really want it, you're an adult, you're fully covered, you're a truck driver, you're not going to lose your job, we can do it. But have a walk around, get some food, think about it, and then you come back. And this guy came back and I was like, you know what, mate? And it was a 50-pound tattoo or something, 100 pounds, whatever. And the guy was like, you know what, mate? I thought about it. Thank you for telling me because, yeah, you're right. You know, it might, it might be something. I'll think about it. And then that thing, to me, is worth more than 100 pounds. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, million yeah. times more yeah, because yeah. this guy now is like, oh, okay, ah, I'm going to think about this. And he decided not to get it. But yeah. again, right, it's more like long term versus short term. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I, I recently saw a, a piece of like a, like a five minute of a podcast and was like on YouTube. And there's four young guys who interviewing each other and they're in a tattoo shop and, um, They've probably been tattooing for a couple of years 
and they like fully face covered and black stuff over old tattoos and go like what i mean like they're only been tattooing for a couple of years and they go like i'm not sure if um those choices were the wisest choices as you said like once you get your face tattooed people look at you differently yeah and and you have an obligation like to be sure that people get the best job possible because you've been tattooing that long it's the same as as like you get those older women coming in who are like past their 50s 60s and they want like uh the tiny tattoos 18-year-old girls get. And when look at your skin, I mean, like, it's different. You can't pull it off. Don't do it. Get something which suits your skin better or which instead of getting all that smaller stuff, how do you think it will look? You know, like, you have the obligation. Yeah, yeah, you have look at it technically. Yeah, because it's beyond it's beyond you, like we said at the start, right? It's, it's a two-way thing it's about the people so it's not just about oh i've done it now it's your problem no man it is you're responsible somehow for that yeah, thing yeah yeah so yeah it's kind of like stepping up to be like yeah. okay i know more i want to i want to guide you then it's still your choice but you know yeah yeah i kind of reminds me of a story which is kind of uh, somebody told me that a, a famous shop in america a guy came in and he wanted like a milkshake on his throat and the straw going to his mouth and wow. the tattooers would stand in line to do it just to get that picture in the portfolio and, yeah you know, that's lame that's lame. yeah that's yeah yeah if it's true or not but the way i go like no man like it's as you said it's his responsibility no it's your responsibility as well yeah. so um no i would be happy i've seen too many people taking advantage this this friend of mine which i, I didn't know that much because i knew his sister Right. But the, the brother, like 21 years old, very nice guy. Right. Uh, so he started hanging out with this tattooer and then he started getting, you know, lots of tattoos. And then one day he shows up with a with a script, his old fucking forehead. And I'm thinking, you're 24 years old. Your girlfriend is pregnant. You don't have a job and you get this. Now, what I'm yeah. saying is that the guy has been taken advantage of because the guy, you know, got fascinated by this character but what i'm thinking is what are the morals of this character in the first place yeah like, to yeah, get yeah. a good picture you ruin this kid's life what yeah. the fuck right? yeah, you know? yeah, but, yeah, yeah yeah and you know if i would ask you something uh, sometimes you know it's not an easy question but something that you learn you know through your career also on a personal level not necessarily regarding to tattoos like the way you you know you conduct yourself the way you live that you still find yourself living by and be like oh man that was a that was a good lesson. I still go by that thing, you know? What would that be? Oh, yeah. Well, looking at, like, maybe as a, in, in a tattooing point of view, is like, as you said earlier on, that if you got that gut feeling that you don't uh, want to do it or need to do it, you don't need the money, or you could actually potentially uh, get this person in trouble, don't do it. Of course, everybody did stupid things, you know, in the past, uh, but uh, which you, you probably aren't proud of, or you said, oh, that wouldn't be a good idea. But yeah, take that responsibility with that machine. You got the responsibility. You're the guy who operated it, and you could potentially ruin somebody's life, you know, for just a 50 or 100 pounds. So 
be more um, responsible, I think. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I'm sure that, you know, over your life at some point you had some setbacks, right? We all at some point had some, you know, that didn't go as we planned or like some, you know, how, how would you, you know, let's say something that you would tell to your kids or something, right? Like how would you su- suggest to deal with this stuff, like to bounce back? Like, how did you, you know, because you made it this far going through a different kinds of generation. So how, how would you advise to deal with something like that when something doesn't go as planned? Always like count your blessings and, you know, like um, uh, be proud of the people who support you. If we once in a while you get like bummed off by customers, it doesn't mean like most of the customers are that way or most of it's, it's the same within relationships. If, if friends, if you get like bummed off or you're kind of disappointed in friends or people who you think are your friends, there's always a small group of people who still stick with you. And it's the same with customers. You always have like this small group of really loyal customers. Invest in those people. Don't stop investing in in people who are not worth it. So that's kind of, you know, that works in, in different ways. We have people coming to the shop and you think they are like part of the shop and they could be potential, be uh, a tattooer or coming into the trade. And then they step you in the back, you know, like open up or go work somewhere else or whatever. Don't be bummed about that for too long. You know, like you could dwell on it for years, but turn it around and invest in people who are close to you. So because you had those are the people you have to deal with, you know, like most of your life. Not everybody's going to be on that same train. Some people get off. Some people get off nicely on a, you know, like on a platform. Some people jump off in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So invest in those people who are close to you. I think that's the, and um, yeah, we had, we had some setbacks, you know, like earlier on our shop was, or like somebody broke in in the shop, stole everything. But then I didn't have kids. I wasn't married. So it was easy to get, you know, started again. And, um, you know, get back on track. I was the only one uh, living off it. It would be different right now, you know, like if the shop burned down or whatever. But um, because so many people rely on it. And um, I think, like, what would be don't live above, above what you can actually carry if the people working for me stop tomorrow i could still run the shop you know like financially i could and now i hear stories about people who have to like open up seven days a week to pay all the bills and that takes a lot of pressure as well you know like stress and go like why should you you know like um yeah, that, that would be my advice, you know, like don't live above your statue or what, like try to keep it smaller. So it makes, yeah. uh, it's difficult enough, you know, like yeah. <laughs> make yeah. a living. In, uh... Awesome. Um, one last question. Um, yeah. If you could somehow, right, man, like travel back in time or something and talk to, your, to yourself when you were like 16 or so, 15 or something, right? With this stuff that you know now, what would you tell yourself? Oh, man, that would be 
I think I kind of did a good job making it this far, you know, like, of course, everybody uh, makes their uh, um, mistakes and you, you have to because you learn off of it. But like, I would tell myself, keep sticking to the, to the values you have and you'll bound to, uh, to make it in the long run, you know, like don't sway for uh, crazy ideas and lose women, you know, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, because those things will get you in trouble. You know, there's plenty of stories of people who get in trouble because all those fruits of, of all the, uh, or like the attention you get don't you know like if you're on your own that's okay do whatever you like but uh if you commit it to somebody try to keep that you know like that that's there's so many things you know like booze women and, and all that stuff at shops but yeah. keep away from that just like focus on on what you uh yeah focus on uh i wouldn't i not sure if I would, you know, like I tell people like um, if I would start tattooing or own a shop nowadays, I probably find a place to work, you know, with all the regulations going on that and um, I probably would find a spot like to I wouldn't own a, own a shop. There's so many, you know, with, within all the things around it. And I, maybe that that goes for a lot of but once you're in that, it's hard to uh, to close it. You know, it's hard to close a shop which has been going on for years. Yeah. And yeah, you got people working for you, re- rely on that. And maybe I would tell myself, uh, yeah, maybe uh, I had traveled more when you were younger or do this or that, you know, and not um, just uh, only work, you know, have fun, enjoy it. Because now you're getting older, you see people who are not as old as you are, who drop that. They've been working their whole lives and didn't enjoy it. Enjoy it, you know, like enjoy the the possibilities you get. You get a a possibility to travel. This is the best job to to travel, you know, like and work everywhere. No, yeah, get to know people and go out there. Yeah, don't miss out. Don't miss out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome, Rinto. Thank you so hey, much. Yeah. This was a, it's always it's always a, a blast, you know, to to hear things from people like yourself that had a long experience, you know, and then learn learn from it. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, thank you. It was my pleasure. Amazing. All right, Rinto. Are you gonna are you going to be in Aachen? Uh, yes, sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Then I'm gonna see you there. Yeah. Looking forward. Awesome. Brilliant. Rinto, have a great day. And yeah. You too. And I'm gonna see you in Aachen. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Awesome. Thank Same you so much. Bye. Bye.